saving for a rainy day, but it's not even wet. Then there's food, some gas, and clothes. Don't forget the rent. Insurance pops up here and there. And don't forget to cut your hair. You need new shoes, but you got the blues because you just ran out of cash. Welcome to Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Our guest professor today is financial journalist and host of The Money Life Show, Chuck Jaffe. He's going to share his Halloween tradition that teaches kids about money. After class, Sensible Bobby will talk about how to use your budget to combat your financial fears. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to her. It is the fiscal fiduciary, the credit risk conqueror, the debt destroyer. Here is Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Sensible Chat. Halloween is going to look a little different this year. So while we're changing things up, how about a new twist on the old trick-or-treat tradition? An idea filled with lessons about money, choice, and strategic thinking all wrapped in such fun that kids are going to jump at the chance to participate. They already have. It's called Cash or Candy, and we're going to talk to the man who created it. Drop the Abba Zabba and the Snickers because Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Chuck Jaffe, host of The Money Life Show and a veteran financial journalist whose column is nationally syndicated in newspapers from coast to coast. For 14 years, Chuck wrote for MarketWatch.com and still writes regularly for the Wall Street Journal and other business publications and websites. Chuck, thanks so much for being our guest professor today. Well, thank you very much for having me. For the last four years, you've had this Halloween tradition called cash or candy, which is going to be really useful this year because of COVID-19. Tell me about your program, Cash or Candy. Well, you can call it cash or candy, or you could call it trade or treat rather than trick or treat. But this will actually be the fifth year. So I've done it for four years. We're about to do our fifth year. And the basics of it are that I'm a financial educator. That's what I do. And I want to teach money lessons. And I live in a community, but I think we all live in communities where kids don't really get great lessons about money and they don't think about money the right ways. And, you know, they see mom and dad going to an ATM and getting money out, but they have no idea what's involved in getting money in. And if money's going to be about choices and options, which is really what money's about, I've long thought, let's try to do something different. Now, I will also point out that, you know, my kids are now 29 and 27. And I wanted to make sure that I was not that weird old guy that, you know, doesn't bring somebody to the bus stop and does whatever, because my neighborhood's turned over. I live in a neighborhood of all cul-de-sacs and my neighborhood's kind of turned over. So I wanted to have an excuse to talk to the kids and not be scary to the kids. (laughs) And this is a great way to do it, because the basics of it are that you're offering kids a choice and that choice is candy, which in my case, the baseline choice is always three pieces of fun size candy value roughly 37 and a half cents. So if you come to my house, you're going to get three pieces of candy. 37 and a half cents is your return for coming to my house. But I want to teach kids about, hey, there is a return for coming to my house and there are options and more. And so that's what we've done. And it basically started 
as a very simple trade-off. You can have three pieces of candy or you can trade for an envelope that has, I want to say the first year was 25 cents up to $5. So you could do it that way. And by the way, because kids will game any system you give them and will try to figure it out. You make $5 in an envelope that has to have a coin if every envelope has a quarter in it using Susan B. Anthony dollars or Sacagawea dollars or what have you and $2 bills. Gotcha. So it starts that way, but it was a basic choice. And what I've found over the years, a whole bunch of people have tried this their own way. And if you're, as we get into what is going on this year, it's very complicated this year. Obviously, COVID has complicated everything. But if you just want to make it a simple choice, hey, you can have some candy or you can have some cash. It's really easy. And in fact, a number of people who are members of my audience, my favorite story is a guy named Rich, who not only dislikes giving out candy, but he doesn't want to get stuck with the leftovers. So what he's now done for the last three years is buy full-size candy bars. He doesn't get many kids who come to his house. So he buys a package or two packages of full-size candy bars, and he buys his wife's favorite. And then he offers the kids a choice of, you can have a candy bar, value, say, roughly a dollar, or you can have an envelope where they all contain 50 cents except for the one that contains five bucks. And he loves it because every year he's done it and he's only had to buy six to 12 candy bars. His wife has her favorite with the leftovers and there have always been leftovers. So it's simply a way of saying, let's inject something different. You don't have to go to my extremes, but I will say as somebody who teaches kids about money and teaches adults about money as much as I can, it's wicked fun. I bet. So what has the reaction been from these kids? I mean, do you find that a lot of them take the, I mean, because it sounds like kind of a gamble, so it's kind of a game, but a lot of kids like candy, right? So what's the reaction been to this? Well, I think there's a few things, which is if you are the only house in the neighborhood giving away money, you can bet that virtually every kid is going to take money. Yeah. So the first year I did this, it was a choice of candy or a coin envelope with at least a quarter and a jackpot of five. And I made up 50 envelopes, 50 kids took the cash, two more would have, but they arrived too late. And four other kids took the candy. And I should point out, I only do this with children third grade and up. Okay. Because it would get that much more expensive. And I'm not trying to build somebody's <laughs> college savings. You know, sure. if you're trick-or-treating in my neighborhood with your babe in arms, that's awesome. And I'm happy to see you. But I'm not letting you make the adult choice for this. Your child wouldn't learn from it. Right. You get three pieces of candy. <laughs> yeah. And I can imagine that the younger kids probably want the candy, right? Because they don't necessarily understand the value well, of the, the coins yet, right? I think that as they've done it, and as it's gone on, what I find is that the more complicated I make it, the more you get kids who are third and fourth graders who at some point go, that's it, just give me candy. Like, Shut up, dude, and give me the candy, okay? That's what I can get when I come here. I don't want to have to think about it. But the older kids definitely like it. And I think my favorite moment thus far may have occurred last year where there's a big group of girls that have been coming to me for the last few years. And they made a point last year of making me the last house they would go to. 
And there was one girl, big personality, who had asked my name like two years ago, didn't know my name, lived around the corner, and said to me, you know, Mr. Jaffe, you are the last house I will ever trick or treat at. Because huh? I'm done. This is my last year doing it. And I, you're the favorite house I've gone to. And I wanted to make it last. And I'd like to point out that those girls last year, because I was last, spent about 20, 25 minutes talking money with me. That's great. Yeah, I was wondering if that's why they want to make you last, so that they can kind of have that time for that conversation and not feel like, oh, I got to go get the rest of my candy before I have this conversation. I think, especially as they get older, they want to think about it. So how about, so people can understand, we run through, so you, you heard my first option. My first year, simple, straight up choice, candy or cash. Should we run you through the years and tell you how it's been? Because I've got yeah. that information. I would okay. love to hear it. Yeah. So 2016 was that simple candy or a coin envelope. 2017, there were envelopes that held at least 25 cents and up to $3. Or kids could trade a piece of candy that they collected. And by the way, I get to pick it randomly from your bag and it has to be fun size. I'm not, if one of my neighbors is giving you big pieces of candy, I'm not taking it. Right. <laughs> right. And you could then trade that one piece of candy and select from envelopes that had 50 cents up to five bucks. And that year, every child who took money went for the big envelope. In other words, traded me a piece of candy to try to get the big envelope. And four kids actually just took candy. The funny part about that is I had a neighbor across the street whose mom had asked me what I was going to do. And when I explained it, That child had looked at me, she was then nine, and said, Mr. Jaffe, there's no way you're getting any of my candy. (laughs) But when she came to my door, she traded. That's great. So that was 2017. Now, in 2018, I may have become a Halloween monster. So children could trade one piece of candy for an envelope which had at least 50 cents to a maximum of $4. And they were told that the small money envelopes, half of them held that 50 cent minimum. Okay. Or they could trade me three candies to pick from envelopes that had $1 to $10, but the other had no money whatsoever. Wow. So in other words, half of the envelopes held nothing. Now here's the thing, if you were doing the math on this, basically 50 cents up to $4, if I made it a $5 jackpot, that would have had 50 cents more than the other side, okay? So in other words, you're trading me one piece of candy. That means your investment is now 50 cents, the 37 and a half you would have gotten, plus the one you contributed, and you were guaranteed to get at least 50 cents. Or you traded me three pieces of candy, so now your investment was up to 75 cents, and you had a 50% chance of getting nothing, but even if you won a buck... I did at least as well, right? Yeah. And so literally the total amount at stake between the big and the small money envelopes was virtually the same. And if all the envelopes had been played, well, the kids were choosing roughly the same average result, no matter how much candy they gave me. So that means you would have been better off going small. So that year, 43 kids played for big money and 23 picked empty envelopes. Only 22 kids took the safer choice. And by the way, 10 that year stuck with candy. So that was a pretty big year in terms of kids above third grade. So again, the best choice, most kids didn't make it that year. 
So now we get to 2019 and I added a lottery element. So kids had that same one piece or three pieces, or then they could trade me six pieces of candy to play for a $20 jackpot. Wow. But every envelope except for the winner and a $10 second prize was empty. So in other words, you had a 4% chance of winning and a 96% chance of losing. And oh, by the way, those 50 envelopes total contained $30. Whereas the 50 envelopes for the big money had like 45 bucks in them and the 50 envelopes for the small money also had roughly 45 bucks in them. So there was a young boy named Liam who won the lottery but 13 other kids went lottery and they didn't get anything. So what did they, th- did they think it was worth? I mean, were they excited to play the game or were they upset or how did well, they they're excited. To they're excited to play the win, but here's the thing. So last year we had about 40 other children who split evenly on the small and big jackpot. Remember, there was the second year where you could say, oh, I want big money or small money. And what we had was we had kids who wanted a guaranteed win. And you did better on average playing the small money than the big money. So what we had was some kids who said, oh, well, last year I played for the big money and I got nothing. I want to have some money this year. So they now made the financially advantageous choice. And that's where you start to talk about, okay, you're starting to get it. You're starting to see if I take one versus another, what works for me? Like, it sounds great to say I could win 10 bucks. But I'd rather have a win. I'd rather open up and see something. And so so you should know, I get coin envelopes to do this, and then I put in a little piece of paper. So if it's just with paper money, you'd have an empty envelope except for the explanation of what you've done. So every envelope has something in it. Right. Or you'd get a dollar bill, let's say, with the explanation wrapped around it. So we set it up and try to make it as hard as possible for somebody to pick a winner or be able to game the system. Right. And when I said you can feel like a monster, I know from talking to people that there are folks who hate the fact that you could come to my house and go away with nothing. And if you think about it, you didn't even come to my house and go away with nothing. You came to my house and gave me candy to go away with nothing. (laughs) And the first year that we did this, when we put it in, I had a neighbor child who she was ready to go before her parents and her friends. So her parents said, okay, do one or two houses on this cul-de-sac. So she did like three houses. She got to my house. She traded me three pieces of candy, which was all she had. Wow. And then she didn't win anything. And normally I ask, please don't open it at my house. Put it in your bag and go home, open it around your parents and tell them what happened. Yeah. Ask them, what would you have done? Here's the choices you had, right? I want to encourage the discussions. Yeah. So it's not about have the discussion with me, though I love it when we do, but I don't want to know if you want. I only know that Liam won because Liam, who could not have given me six pieces of candy fast enough, (laughs) opened at the end of my driveway. Ah. And it made it terrible for me because anyone else who came up, I'm now offering them the choice. And I know they can't win the jackpot. Right. I know that their chances of winning are only the second prize, but that poor girl walked away and her parents were just getting ready to go. And they said, what was he doing? Okay, open it up. And she had gotten nothing. And I'm like, I just took 100% of this child's candy. I am officially a Halloween monster. (laughs) 
well, hey, you gave them the choice, but what a fun thing, you know? Yeah, what a great way to teach kids money lessons and just have some fun on Halloween, and it's something different. So what kind of discussions have you been able to have? I know you said you like them to go home and have the discussions with parents, but I'm sure you've had some interesting discussions with the kids about this because of cash or candy. Oh, absolutely. And and you'll have kids talking about risks and gambling and the value of money and the value of candy and return on investment. I mean, kids try to figure out every angle, right? <laughs> yeah. And it serves them well in like you can tell that there are kids who are looking on what is the best choice for me. And I have to say that, you know, one of my favorite stories, the very first year we did this, where we had you could trade me a piece of candy. I get a group of girls. There were seven girls. And the first six were all like, oh, I got a ton of candy. Just reach in and grab a handful. I'm like, no, we're just going to take one. And I pull out a piece of candy from each of them. And I put it right to the top of my candy dish, which I'm holding as they do this. And I get to the seventh girl and all of her friends couldn't have given up candy fast enough to get money. And she goes, I'd like candy, please. And she proceeds to pick three Snickers bars that I had just pulled from her friend's bags. And I say, okay, I got to know, why candy and not cash? And she said, my parents know that Snickers are my favorite and they won't eat them. (laughs) If I bring home anything else, they might take it from me or whatever. So I watched you pull Snickers bars from friends and you might have taken one from me. I get three Snickers bars. So that's exactly what I want. I get to be sure to keep them. And I don't lose any. No, this is just fine. Thank you. (laughs) And that's what you want. You want a kid who makes the other kids didn't feel they were giving something up. And I mean, occasionally you get a kid go, oh, you took a whatever. Quite honestly, if they say that to me, I'm like, I'll put it back and take something else. (laughs) But I don't let them pick it. Right. Because you should put something at risk here. That idea that it might be your favorite candy. Think about that. Right. You don't get to choose advantage. You get to play the game just as you don't get to say, oh, what do you mean? I have to pay tax when I make this purchase. Or what do you mean? There's a title fee on this thing that I bought when you get to be an adult or, you know, you get your first job. And hasn't every kid looked and said, well, who is FICA and (laughs) why is he getting so much of my money? Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, it's one of those things that I think everybody can learn and the kids are definitely trying to figure it out they want to figure out what's the best decision and some of them are really good with the math and some of them don't bother to think about it and again i think some of them when it comes to the next year or the second time or the third time around they're really thinking about it and going hey i could make a good decision what a cool opportunity just to get them thinking that way. That's that's awesome. And, you know, what a great opportunity for other people to be able to do this, you know, in their neighborhoods. But how much money do you have to actually put out in order to do this game on Halloween? Well, if you think about it, I'm definitely spending more than I did when all I ever did was three pieces of candy. Sure. But I'd like to point out, I now buy very little candy. <laughs> right. Now, again, this year's going to be a little different and we haven't gotten to what I'm doing this year. Yeah. But I definitely have to put out more than I did. And I have an occasional cost such as the coin envelopes. But any unused envelope comes back to me and the money is still mine. And oh by the way, I'd rather have the money than extra candy 
anyone who's ever known me knows that I am very, if you take one look at me, you'll go, that's a man who is familiar with candy. <laughs> very familiar with it. And who should maybe be less familiar with it. So, you know, I would rather spend a little more have a little less. But, you know, if you think about it, last year, the kids won $47.50. Okay. And I had a few dollars of envelope costs. And what I'd say is that the total cost is about double what I spent when all I did was hand out three candies to the kids. Wow. That's because not much. Not really. When you think about it, and again, for the other side of this, the social side of this, where you know, I recognize that some of the folks who maybe are your audience are parents with young kids themselves. And hey, if you need to be out trick-or-treating, like I couldn't have done this and taken my kids trick-or-treating when my kids were little. Yeah. My kids now think it's very funny. Sure, we grow up and move away and dad starts giving out money for Halloween. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think it's the other side too, that I really like the idea that the rest of the year, kids who ride their bike onto my little street if they see me out with my dog or waving at me or they're stopping to pet my dog. And I don't know that they would do that when I don't have a child going to their bus stop. I'm not walking and hanging out with the parents. And this neighborhood has turned over. Yeah. And I live on a cul-de-sac that has six houses. I am now the second longest tenured resident. However, the longest tenured resident their daughter is actually the primary resident at the house now, and she has a daughter. So in other words, she used to babysit my kids. Right. Now she's back living at home, helping to take care of her father. And so even that house really has turned over. Right. I'm the only house that doesn't have kids. So this is a great and, way for you to stay connected with your community. Exactly. And to make it in my neighborhood. And I know I've heard it where the kids have walked by and they'll wave to me or, you know, hey, Mr. Jaffe. You know, et cetera. And I've seen I put out the money pumpkin, which is a pumpkin with a dollar sign on it. Nice. And my house is basically one house away from the bus stop. And I have always put the money pumpkin out on a school day when the kids are going. And every year it's the money pumpkin. He's doing it again. Like since the first year I did it, that's the first year it was like, that's weird. There's a dollar sign on a pumpkin. Right. But ever since then, it's like, no, it's the money pumpkin. We know what's happening. Now they all want to come to your house. <laughs> I hope so. I, that's what I want. Whatever I spend, it is totally worth it. Yeah. It's totally worth it. I Just to help get the lessons, get the parents thinking. I mean, I wish that every year I could do something different and my neighbor to the left, like we just move each year's one door down because it would be cool oh, yeah. to be like, hey, you come onto my street and every house is doing a financial experiment. Yeah. And I'd love that. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> right. And at that point, you might also get to where kids are making a decision that is not just, well, this is the only place I can get money. Right. So I'll do this. Yeah. But, you know, getting them to think, wait, this choice is better this way. That choice is better that other way. So Absolutely. getting them to think about it would be awesome. But you can't really tell your neighbors, hey, just do this financial experiment that, oh, by the way, is going to double your Halloween cost. Right. <laughs> Yeah, kind of a decision they have to make on their own. But you would well, think after seeing how much fun you were having with it, they would kind of pick it up on their own, you know? I don't know. I think some of my neighbors, you know, where I always say it's a fun-sized piece of candy, some of my neighbors are using those micro-sized pieces of candy. So uh. I don't know whether that's a financial decision or a dietary decision, but either way, 
I don't think I can tell them, hey, step up your Halloween game. <laughs> right. <laughs> but for anybody who has not tried it or anybody who doesn't like Halloween or anybody who goes, I really have no idea how much candy to buy, buy less candy and offer a choice. Just put together some envelopes, et cetera, and Great. If it's a dollar, it's a silver dollar. If it's like I said, five dollars is your jackpot. It's a dollar coin with two two dollar bills stuck in. Trust me, I hear from the kids about I didn't even know a two dollar bill was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I I will tell you that if you're going to do it on the scale that I do it, you do need to talk to your bankers in advance, especially if you want to do 50 cent pieces. Yeah. If it's 50 cents and you're saying I'll get a half dollar, half dollars, you need to be prepping well in advance. Or you won't get it. Good to know. Yeah. Now, for this year, there's a lot of things different, which makes cash or candy even more important and and a great idea this year. So talk to me about how COVID-19 has changed for you and what you're doing different this year. Well, so the CDC guidelines on trick-or-treating basically say you can do it, but they suggest, for example, that you don't want kids to come up to your house and get you in the doorway where you're making the space smaller. They're like, do it at the end of your driveway where you can be socially distant. And they also said, and I checked with a CDC spokesperson, that my giving away envelopes is the same as giving away bags of candy. What they don't want is all the kids reaching into a dish. And it doesn't make a difference whether they're pulling out candy or an envelope. They wouldn't want me using a dish, baskets, and whatever like I've used in the past. They would want to have it. Kids can pick it. So Their suggestion this year is that you use little gift bags and that way just spread them out and the kids can pick from a table where it's just reach in and touch one, right? Yeah. So gift bags will be my candy and it'll be three pieces of fun size candy and a little gift bag and that will be the base choice. And then I had to come up with a different way to do it because you can't trade me. So I will again have the lottery option because I think that's a good way to play it. And so... There will be the lottery option. There will be a pool of envelopes that have a quarter to $5 in it. So remember, at a quarter, you're actually losing 12 and a half cents of value if that's what you get. And then because I wanted to support area businesses, there's an ice cream shop that is walking distance to my house. And the kids in the neighborhood, there's a sort of back way that they can do it to make sure they avoid the busy roads. And I talked to them and they agreed to sell me $1 gift cards. Basically, it's almost like a business card that says, you know, good for $1 at Dribbles is the name of the place. (laughs) Cool. And they agreed to sell them to me at a 20% discount. I didn't even ask for it. So I'm buying a bunch of those. So that is your best option because that's win a dollar. But you kind of have to know that you can use it to actually get it. Right. Right. And so I figured, well, that's good. It supports a local business. That ice cream stop is open all year long. And of course, anything that the kids don't take, well, I can go in and oh, by the way, his 20% discount means I, at least, am going to get a discount. Sure. (laughs) But he was excited for it because, you know, he's a legitimate ice cream store. Some of these kids are going to come in and, you know, it's going to be, here's my dollar and here's mom's $4. Right or whatever. So he was good with it. He thinks everybody should do this. So it can all be done in, here's an envelope, take that, you know, we'll spread these out, take these, take those, take the other. Great idea. So have you thought about packaging this idea, like selling it? No, I suppose you could do other things, but I keep liking everything. I I have yet to see anybody who's tried this in ways that I don't like. And I'll point out that the National Financial Educators Council 
they sort of started me on this, but they were doing cash for candy. Okay. So there's a difference between cash or candy, you know, trade or treat, which is what I have done. Right. And cash for candy, which was they suggested that kids go home and offer their parents to buy the extra treats. All right. I think that's a great idea as well. And that's done very differently. That goes back to that girl who loved her Snickers bars. Right. Right. So if you are a parent and you want to teach your own kids about money, and oh, by the way, you don't want them eating too much candy. When they get home from Halloween, have them pour out their goodie bag in front of you and talk about what they like best. Talk about what you like best. Talk about what they like the least. Now, you may already know that they don't really love, I don't know, Skittles, or they don't like Starbursts, but they love Nestle's Crunch Bars. Okay. Well, if they love, and again, if you go, a fun size candy is worth about 12 and a half cents. Well, if you don't love Skittles, I'll pay you a penny or two pennies for your Skittles. And if you love Nestle's Crunch Bars, I'll pay you a quarter if I really want one of those, right? But get them used to the idea that, hey, if you've got something and it's not worth very much to you, get something you'd rather have. Right. I mean, you could even think about it if you have multiple siblings. Now, I know that my kids did their own version of this. My oldest daughter, when she was young, only liked pure chocolate. In other words, she didn't want almonds. She didn't want crunchies. She didn't want caramel. She wanted straight chocolate. So if you had Hershey's Kisses or you had Hershey's bars that were plain, that's what she wanted. Her sister, on the other hand, is a self-described garbage disposal. (laughs) She will eat it all. So they'd get home and she was perfectly happy to trade her plain candy. Like, here's two candy bars. How about you give me all of your Reese's? And her sister, her big sister would be like, fine, take them. And that's okay. That's value for you like have them start by trading, but maybe you get involved and you go, wait, 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 neither one of you like this. Okay. I'll buy those from you, but I'm only paying a penny for those. Right. You can have a few cents or you can have nothing. Knock yourself out. I'll pay more for something that I really like, but just having those discussions helps your kids understand I'll pay more for what I really like and I'll pay less if it doesn't matter to me. They get to see that worked out in front of them, but it's a blast. And I wholeheartedly recommend whether it's my version, cash or candy, or you get your kids at home, use Halloween for something that's better than just like, hey, it's a festival of gluttony. If you then want to teach them one more lesson about money, there are some organizations. I wish I knew them off the top of my head. I want to say one of them is the National Orthodontists Group that they do some things with your Halloween candy Well, they will donate it to the troops wow. and things along those lines. And so if you want to take the lesson one step further, find out where you can make a donation that way so that after you've bought whatever you've bought, whatever you want, take whatever leftover candy you have that you don't want, whatever the kids don't want, whatever they're willing to donate, maybe they're willing to donate rather than taking your money and find a way to do that. And you can teach a little bit about charity at the same time. That's great. Some great ideas. And I know that you have an article all about this on your website that people can read for details too, right? Yes. If you go to moneylifeshow.com, which is the website for my show, and look for where it says Chuck's Columns, 
you can basically scroll down and you should find a picture of the money pumpkin sitting right on my front railing. That's awesome. And right so, there is everything you need to know. So much fun for Halloween. A way to make it fun, a way to make it educational. That's a great idea. I love that. And so just kind of turning the table for a minute, I wanted to ask you because you've been a syndicated columnist, radio show and podcast host in the financial space for so many years. So what is the best financial advice you've picked up along the way? It's a great question. And I've been thinking about it a lot for reasons that have to do with things that I may be writing in the not too distant future. It's really hard for me because there has been so much of it. But I think to me, the important thing, and perhaps the best lesson is there is no one right way. That is fair enough. When people tell you, this is how you invest, or this is what you do. Yeah. Okay. That's one way to do it. But if I'm making progress towards my goals and I'm doing it in a way that is comfortable given my risk tolerance and the rest, then the fact that you're doing it faster or you're doing it differently doesn't actually change this. It's not a zero-sum game. So when you get somebody out there and, and they're willing to take risks that you're not willing to take, okay? If you know somebody and they're being a Bitcoin jockey and they're making a ton of money doing it, Great. But if you don't have the risk tolerance for that, you shouldn't be doing it because you're not going to do it as well as they do if they have an iron stomach and you are queasy at the thought of losing a few bucks. So it may not be the best advice, but understand that as long as it works for you, it is working. So don't think I must do it this way. One of my favorite stories that is we believe true it's hard to find out to people who were there or alive, is that there's a story about how Groucho Marx went on a tour of the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And at some point, he's holding court after the market is closed. And Groucho was very interested in money and making money, etc. And somebody yelled out, hey, Groucho, what do you invest in? And he said, I keep most of my money in bonds. And Somebody immediately yelled back, well, that doesn't make you very much money. And he reportedly said, it does if you have enough of them. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And so, you know, know yourself, know that you have to do what works for you. And if you can sleep at night and you can wake up in the morning and feel comfortable, that's what matters the most. I mean, I live in a nice community, but my neighbor two doors down used to drive, the former neighbor used to drive a Jaguar. And I drive a Volkswagen. So you know that if you drive into our cul-de-sac, we can afford houses in the same neighborhood. Right. But there's a good chance that our risk tolerance is not the same. (laughs) Right. And I understand why somebody would want to drive a Jaguar. But I'd like to point out, if you drive into our cul-de-sac at night when our cars are in the garage, my Volkswagen looks every bit as fancy as his Jaguar (laughs) when both cars are in the garage. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not doing what he's done. And whatever we do with the rest of our money, I hope he's successful, but I can only worry about my success. So no one right way. Find the way that works for you. I love that. And that leads right into the last question I want to ask you, because, you know, there's so many different ways to budget and so many methods. And like you said, what works best for me may not work best for you. So I wanted to ask if you have a favorite method or tool when it comes to budgeting that works for you. 
Does it have to be about budgeting or could it be a little bit about savings, finding a way to squeeze a little bit more savings? That's perfect. Okay. Well, I have an active experiment that's going on now. So I'm still learning and I'd like to think I'm financially successful. I certainly talk to enough people who are every day, (laughs) but I'm still learning. So a few years back, I went through a surprise divorce. And at the time I took my change jar, I just taken my change jar and made it the think big jar, which was supposed to be saving money for something larger. So I go through the divorce and I tell my children, well, okay, that think big jar, that's now our vacation savings. That's for you and me to go someplace. And we wound up getting a great trip to Mexico, but it was, you know, this is what you're going to do with your change. But I realized that if I wanted to save for something, I needed to do more than just throw my change in there. So it first became my change. And anytime I got a dollar bill in my change, my change plus that $1 bill went into the jar. Then it became everything under $5. So my change plus any $1 bills. And then my youngest daughter, well, she went off to get her doctorate in physical therapy. And three years of medical school meant a little too busy for a vacation. Right. That little change jar that only had the dollars and the change and that would occasionally get bonus money if it was like, oh, wait, they made a mistake at the grocery store. They owed me five bucks back or whatever. I'd throw that in there too. And anytime I found money fairy money, you know the money fairy. The money fairy is the one that when you put on a coat that you didn't wear since last winter. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The money fairy is the one that put the five bucks in your pocket. That's great. Right? And you get money fairy money, things like that. It all went into this jar. Well, that account now has about five grand in it. Nice. And it puts in, you know, somewhere around... 400 bucks to 500 bucks a year. But oh, by the way, I've, you know, done a little bit investing it and what have you and found other ways to make it grow. Now this year, I'm not actually spending anything under a $10 bill. So all my fives are being saved as well. So as we sit here and record this early in October, for those who say, I can't come up with $1,000 for an emergency fund or what have you. Right. Well, I've basically saved $1,000 this year, despite the fact that in a COVID world, I don't haven't been getting out and spending a lot of cash. Most of it seems to come from, I have some things I have to go to the post office for. I think that's where I get most of my change. <laughs> but I don't spend any fives anymore. And I haven't felt like, oh my goodness, I'm you know draining my bank account so quickly to get another $20 bill. And it can be pretty frustrating when you go, oh, I bought something for $750. And they gave me back 250 and two fives right. <laughs> on my 20. Because my 20 is now gone. But in terms of savings, it's jump-started it. And I think whether it's doing it that way or doing a keep the change program where every time you use your debit card, it rounds up, et cetera, getting something where every time you spend, you save a little bit, there's your budgeting tool. Yeah. doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a little that adds to it. And at that point, I think if you said, okay, I'm just going to do the change and I keep the change program. Well, what it means is that you're basically collecting your rounding error. Right. <laughs> right. If you would enter something in a checkbook, like anybody balances a checkbook. Right. 1274 becomes 13 bucks. Okay. But your rounding error adds up. And so capture that and find little ways. Because the cool thing about this has been... Yeah, my kids and I, between the money and frequent flyer miles, we could take a heck of a trip. Yeah. And we intend to now that my youngest is through school. But we don't feel like we scrimped and saved for this. 
That is so great. I love that because that really proves, and especially from somebody who, you know, you talk big investments with major names in the investment world and everything, and yet here you are talking about how the small things really add up. And I love that because there's so many people who think, well, it's only, you know, $1.50 here, $2. It's not worth saving. And it adds up, right? Well, I mean, I actually know exactly how much I've saved in 2020, except for the the amount. So what I'm doing to keep this is I put everything into a jar. And then at the end of every month, I empty that jar and update my tallies. Oh, cool. So I can tell you that you know, thus far in 2020, I have saved $445 in $5 bills. Nice. So I'll have October, November, and December. And let me point out here that, again, in teaching kids lessons, this wasn't anything I did going, oh, I have to have a savings goal. When my kids were little, I had stock portfolios for them, stock portfolios that they took over when they were 21 and that they still have to this day. So I was always going, okay, your grandparents can spoil you. You know, you're a baby. You don't know that this came from person A or person B. You know, I'll take your money and put it into Coca-Cola stock, Microsoft stock. Yeah. Things like, and by the way, it's much easier to do that now. 2020 saw the advent of stock slices. Yeah, I love that. You can now make it so your gifts to your kids or your grandkids five bucks at a time, go buy stock slices. Do this, people. Seriously do this. But in my case, it was every year I'd put a couple hundred bucks in. So I thought, okay, I'm doing this thing. I don't know how many fives I'll get, but if I get to over $500, and I obviously am going to at this point, <laughs> right? my plan was to take $250 for each child and put it into their Roth IRAs. Nice. Because even though they're now saving for themselves and doing the right things, who can't use a little boost? Yeah. Right. So again, this, where did this money come from? Well, I just saved my $5 bills. And I think for them, again, there's a lesson that goes, got a goal, want to reach it, find a way. That's excellent. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because that really drives home the, the small change makes a big difference. And thank you so much for all your time today. Some great ideas. I mean, the, the Halloween cash or candy is such a wonderful program. I hope everybody goes out and tries that. And I want to let people know where they can get in touch with you, listen to your podcast, read your column. Where can they do all that? Well, if you want to get in touch with me directly, my email is Chuck at moneylifeshow.com. Money Life Show, all put together, moneylifeshow.com. Now, if you go to that website, well, you can find my columns. There's a thing that says Chuck's Columns, so you can read about Cash or Candy and anything else I'm writing about. And you can find my show there. My show is Money Life with Chuck Jaffe. And you can find it on your favorite podcast app, or you can find it at our own website. Chuck, thanks so much for all your time today and the great information. I really appreciate it. Happy Halloween, Bobby. Thanks so much for having me. A great big sensible thank you to Chuck Jaffe, financial journalist and host of The Money Life Show. Visit his website at moneylifeshow.com. Okay, we've talked about the fun side of Halloween, but since this is the time when we kind of embrace the idea of fear, it seems like the perfect time to address financial fears and what we can do about them. A lot of our financial fears stem from fear of the unknown, or dare I say, unplanned. What if I lose my job? What if my car breaks down? What if I or someone I love ends up in the hospital? 
I've had all these thoughts. And before I started budgeting, the fear and stress that came with them was unreal. But since I didn't know what to do about it, my only choice was to put it out of my head and try to forget about it. But the fear kept coming because I hadn't dealt with it. It was a vicious cycle. The thought creeps in, stress and fear start to build, and then you run from it in your mind. But it always catches up. The fear and stress stayed with me until I finally confronted it, dealt with it, and made a plan for it. Now when I think, what if I lose my job, I have a written plan to answer that question. Would it be fun? Of course not. But I'm not afraid anymore because I know I can deal with it. If you fear it, plan for it. Pretend it's happening right now. Feel that fear and stay in the moment. Don't let yourself run. Now visualize your next step. Let's take a job loss, for example. For me, step one was checking to see how much money was available in the moment. How long would it last based on my expenses? What expenses could I lower or cut out completely? How soon could I get unemployment? What else could I do? Look for a new job, do short-term odd jobs in the meantime, sell something, borrow from a friend or family member, anything I could do to avoid using a credit card or taking a loan that would add interest to what I already couldn't pay. So now I felt a bit more calm, knowing that I didn't need to panic if something unexpected happened tomorrow. It wouldn't be fun, but I could deal with it. In the short term, I could put out the fire. But do I want to borrow from friends and family? Do I want to sell my stuff? Do I want to cut out my fun money? Not really. Of course I will if I have to, but what if I could start planning now so there is no fire to put out? What if a job loss meant I had to deal with the next steps in life without stressing about finding the money to make ends meet? Because it was already there. And that is the beauty of budgeting. You start with making sure you have everything you need today, then through to your next paycheck. But then you go beyond that and start planning farther out. It's very tempting to spend those extra dollars in the short term because you deserve to have some fun or save for a fun vacation rather than building an emergency fund. But believe me, your emergency fund is your best friend because it will always be there when you need it. For me, peace of mind and confidence is a permanent vacation. And you can budget in some fun money while you're building your emergency fund. In fact, I recommend it. Give yourself an allowance so that you get a little play money, but you're always building that emergency fund. And by the way, you don't have to call it an emergency fund. You can have a medical savings fund, a car repair fund, a next car fund, job loss fund, whatever works for you. Just keep saving. Believe me, this is the best way to combat your financial fears because nothing is more comforting than security. Last year around this time, I went into a lot more detail about this subject. So go back and listen to the October 28, 2019 episode called Is Bankruptcy Your Best Option? for more ideas on combating other financial fears like bankruptcy, medical emergencies, retirement savings, bad credit, fraud, and more. Thanks for listening. And remember, budgeting is not hard. It's just math. Changing your mindset is the challenge. But if you're ready to take action and plan for your future, good times and bad, you might find it a bit easier to change your mindset and live the life you dream of. 
So until next time, remember, do the math, live the life. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sensible Chat. All the links and resources mentioned are in the show notes at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. To schedule your free budget consultation, click on the book a free call button in the upper right-hand corner at sensiblechat.com. Have a question or success story or how about a great budgeting idea? Sensible Bobby loves it all and wants to hear from you. Go to sensiblechat.com for all the contact information. That's sensible with a C. 